We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'm your host, James Anderson, and got a fun episode for you this week. Uh, my guest is Michael Simeone, who you might know from uh, at SP Streamer. He's got the SP Streamer website and podcast and uh, doing a ton of great stuff in the industry. Um, and we're going to have a, an episode today where we kind of, you know, we, we've talked about, or at least I've talked about, um, you know, having sort of a, a board where I'm, I'm really only drafting um, a set amount of players from the player pool, um, you know, roughly half the board, uh, r- half the player pool uh, is in play for me. And uh, the other half, I just, I won't be drafting. That's kind of a, a method that I think a lot of people have kind of copied from Casey Cha, who's one of the most uh, well-respected players in the game, uh, had a monster year back uh, in 2020. Um, but what we're going to do is uh, Michael and I are both going to go uh, position by position and pick a player who has a top 100 ADP over the past three weeks in 15 team draft champions leagues. They have to have a top 200 ADP and we're going to go position by position and each say a guy uh, that we will not be drafting this year um, for whatever reason. And then for outfield, we'll each pick a couple outfielders. For starting pitchers, we'll each pick a couple starting pitchers. So it'll be 10 players total, and we're going to start at catcher. Um, but first, Michael, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. And I, I like that you picked this uh, type of, um, I guess, podcast segment because um, I do the same thing. I started it last year because I heard about Casey Chaw's method, so I tried it out myself. And it worked out pretty well, um, so I'm hoping I continue to have success with it. So I, I end up doing this exact thing as well. Yeah, that's exactly why I, why I asked you. I saw you, you wrote about it, and um, mm-hmm. I, last year was my first year doing it too, uh, and last year was my most successful year uh, playing fantasy baseball. So I'm I'm going to stick with it, uh, even though it's probably not a large enough sample to say that I've, I'm clearly a better player because of this method. But um, you know, I, I think it's it's kind of something that I've, it it seemed very intuitive and it kind of checked out when I sort of heard about it as something that I've almost always sort of wished I was doing. And, and it, you know, you do kind of remember all the times when you've taken a player that you didn't even like, uh, didn't even want, but it was just like, Oh man, he's sitting there. I can't believe he's, he's still on the board. And, uh, you know, maybe it's just, you only remember the, the misses, at least that's, I I remember Mm -hmm. the misses more than I remember the hits usually, but, um, 
it does it feels better um to end up with a bunch of guys that you believe in and just kind of focus on those players so um like when i'm drafting i'm not i'm not looking at um especially in slow drafts a lot easier in slow drafts but i'm not even looking at like the available players in the draft room i'm looking at my board yep. and seeing who the best player that i still have on my board is yeah exactly so uh as i said we're going to start at catcher uh since you're the guest uh, i'm going to let you um say your player first and <clears throat> I have a couple positions here where I've got like a backup pick in case we have a, an overlap. But, um, you know, for the most part, if we have the same guy, I'm just going to say we have the same guy because I think that, that would be maybe more interesting if we both pick the same player at a position. But with catcher, there's only nine players to choose from. There's only nine mm-hmm. catchers that have an ADP inside the top 200. Uh, so who is going to be your pick at catcher for a player who you do not expect to end up with any shares of this year? So before I say my player, my question for you, uh, James, is do you like to target catchers early or do you tend to kind of wait? Because I've seen um, some contradicting opinions on this that I find pretty interesting. Like one is Rob DiPietro, who we know is very good at DCs, and he loves taking catchers early, says there's a big advantage. But then FTN just released a article out recently that showed like some most of the top players actually took catchers later on in drafts and um they were very successful with it so i'm just curious which way do you typically like to go so um next week's pod i'm actually gonna it's gonna be be just a catcher episode um and so honestly the reason i'm doing that is because i don't know what I think is best. It's like the one position in the player pool where I just, I'm kind of wishy-washy on how I want to play it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've, I've said that I've, I love Will Smith um, and I've kind of been hoping that he sort of falls into my lap in, in drafts, but you know, so there's always someone that seems to, to, to rush out and, and grab him before I can, uh, at least so far. Um I don't expect to be ending up with um, the top guys like Perez and Real Muto, but it's not because I wouldn't take them at the right spot. It's more just, you know, the, those guys go really early. Uh, mm-hmm. I have ended up with Yasmani Grandal in one draft. I have ended up with uh, Kyber Ruiz in one draft, uh, but I also have been fine with ending up with like a, a duo of Elias Diaz and uh, Omar Narvaez, that type of mm-hmm. thing. So I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. I don't have a, a very Same. sort of strict uh, <laughs> strategy. It's just kind of like, you know, who's going to be there for me. Yeah. Same. I kind of like uh, with different teams, I'm kind of doing it differently just to kind of see which one pans out, I guess. Um, I mean, you could definitely win both ways, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but my pick for the uh, catchers to avoid um, is uh, I put Dalton Varsha, Dalton Varsha. And um, that's just because I get that he is like some stolen base appeal. Um, but I feel like the contact numbers and stuff like that isn't that great with him. I mean, among catchers, he was 16th in WRC plus, you know, he didn't have a great uh, Woba um, OPS. He was top 10, but yet he's being picked as the fourth catcher off the board. Um, so steamer has him hitting for 253 with 16 home runs and eight stolen bases. The only reason why I don't really like where him for this season is kind of where he's going. Um, I feel like you could get Wilson Contreras like two rounds later and he's going to hit you more home runs. He's going to be close in stolen bases. Um, if not 
even with Varsho. And um, yeah, the average is a little worse, but I feel like I'd much rather take the more home runs with someone like Wilson Contreras. And especially because he's going to be playing every day um, when they add that DH, I feel like he's going to get a lot more plate appearances. So I'm just kind of out on Varsho um, here, just because I feel like you could get more plate appearances um, and just as many categories with someone else later. Yeah. Um, when we kind of went into this exercise, I expected to be picking Varsho. Um, so I, I uh, mm-hmm. totally get uh, where you're coming from there. He was actually kind of my um, honorable mention, sort of my second choice here. I, I think the reason I didn't quite go with him is because I guess I could see a scenario where I just keep getting shut out on the speed guys I want um, maybe in the early rounds and in kind of a, a desperate move, I I go with him. Um, it would probably have to be uh, a league with an overall prize. Uh, I I get the case, like you know, I mean, he's being drafted, but there's smart players out there who are drafting Dalton Varsho. Yeah, and uh, I think the case is pretty clear. That, I mean, if you think he, I mean, if you look at that Arizona depth chart, um, you know, it's it's feasible that he could play every day this year and just be kind of a guy who's just getting a ton of starts in the outfield might even lose catcher eligibility this season. Um, but if, if you got a guy that's eligible at catcher who say plays in 145 games, um, you know, maybe the SP or maybe the, um, the steamer projection is just way low on the playing time in that scenario. So I, mm-hmm. I, that that's kind of the case for taking him. I I'm close. I'm much closer to you. Like I think, you know, banking on him to be um, someone that does play every day and, and taking him at pick, you know, he's 99 over the past three weeks is his, is his ADP. I mean, that's just, that's a premium pick really. Um, And so I, I would, I would prefer to get Wilson Contreras who you mentioned two rounds later. Um, But I, I guess I don't want to say I definitely won't have Dalton Varsho, but I I most likely will not have Dalton Varsho either. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, my pick is Tyler Stevenson. Uh, and this, you know, the, the catcher position was a little tough for me, um, in this exercise, it wasn't the toughest position, but, you know, I get, I get why people would be taking any of these nine guys, um, depending on, on where they fall to you. But the reason I'm going with Stevenson is he's going 10 spots ahead of Kyber Ruiz. He's going, uh, over 40 spots ahead of Adley Rutschman. He's going almost 50 spots ahead of Mitch Garver. And I actually like all three of those guys more than Stevenson. So it ju- it's more of a just an ADP. Like if all those guys are gone and Stevenson's still there for me and it's like pick like 200, then maybe I would take him. But his his max pick over the last three weeks is 177. And so I just, I just don't see it happening um, with Stevenson, but I, I I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's going to be a fine catcher. I think he could be, he could finish the year as a top 10 catcher, but there's just guys going significantly later than him who I like as much, if not more. Yeah. I think he's someone that a lot of people see will have a lot, you know, think that he's going to have a lot more playing time, you know, good ballpark, all those kinds of things. And then he's been hitting for average too, um, which is kind of hard to come by with, with catchers. Um, I, he's on my board, but not necessarily a target of mine. 
Um, I've been really landing on Grandal a lot. Uh, I, I just think, you know, he's a little bit underrated, you know, true power bat. And, um, you know, he really killed it at the end of the season. So, yeah. I mean, if you, if you think that, and like I said, I, I have him on one of my three teams so far. Um, mm-hmm. If you, if you buy into how he finished the year and Grandal has always been a guy who plays a lot. Um, yeah. And so that, that's a great lineup to be in. Um, and he is, he is a guy that sort of has been falling. Like, like I said, like Will Smith never falls into my lap. Um, even like Wilson Contreras just hasn't seemed to kind of fall for me. Um, but you know, Grandal, I think in, in some drafts will, will be there, um, past ADP and, uh, that's, that's how I ended up with him. Okay. Uh, let's move on to first base. Um, I will go first this time. All right. And I've said on on the show um, earlier this offseason that basically my my board at first base doesn't really start until CJ Crone. Um, so there's a ton of guys uh, that I could say here. Um, but the guy I'll, I'll go with is Matt Olson. And I love Matt Olson like as a real life player. I love him in Dynasty. I, I took him in the the second round of the Rotowire Dynasty mock, so I'm not anti Matt Olson uh, at all. But in terms of a roster build in a redraft league, taking a player in the fourth round who is not gonna hit 300 and is not gonna steal bases. Um, at a position where there's players I love going, you know, outside the top 150, it's just not something I can, I could ever see myself doing. And like, like I said, I think Matt Olson is going to be very productive this year. He could hit 40 home runs. I uh, could have well over 200 runs plus RBI. Uh, but just from a roster construction standpoint, using a fourth round pick player that's giving me the production he's going to give me just doesn't doesn't fit what I'm trying to do. Yeah, my pick kind of aligns with your thinking. Mine was Jose Abreu, and um, it's the same thing. I mean, I, first of all, first base seems pretty deep, and there's a good cluster of guys later on where you could get power from. Um, you know, a lot of home runs, a lot of RBIs there, and I feel like spending early for someone, a power bat like Olsen or Abreu, don't steal bases, doesn't really make any sense when you could just wait later on and grab, like, a CJ Crone or a Joey Votto or something like that, because you can easily obtain the same stats later on, just, you know, not as good as an average. Um, And then plus, you know, you, you really do want, want the speed early on because it just dissipates later. So um, yeah. So Abreu is my pick and same, same thinking that you have. Yeah. It's, it's just really about the opportunity cost. Um, You know, when there's just a bevy of these guys that I like, going from pick 130 to pick, I mean, even to, down to Rowdy Telez at 322. I mean, if if I miss out on some guys and I go into the season in a 15-team league with Telez as my starting first baseman, that's not going to kill me. Uh, but I can't be chasing speed guys in that range. There just aren't guys like that. There aren't aces in that range. There aren't uh, good closers in that range. So it's just it's an opportunity cast thing at first base. Okay, uh, let's go to second base. Back to you um, for your pick of a second baseman with a top 200 ADP that will not be on any of your teams. 
Yeah, mine's going to be Jazz Chisholm. And um, it's really just because, I mean, when you look at his underlying metrics, um, there's some things to be worried about there in terms of contact and uh, plate discipline. So I'm a little worried that that could come back to bite people who are drafting him a little bit because obviously you got to get on base to steal bases and everyone's taking him because they're hoping for that 2020 upside. And um, I feel like people are just kind of reaching right now as, you know, opposed to others at that position, like in India or Polanco where they could get you, you know, 10 to 15 stolen bases as well. And they have really good contact rates. They have better OPSs than him. Um, So I just think Chisholm's almost being taken um, based on hype almost and um, just hoping that the growth is there and that he will pull off a 2020 season with a decent average. Um, but I just don't know. I, I feel like it's the likelihood of happening is not that high just because um, of his contact issues. It's not like he walks a lot. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if um, if the power and speed will completely be there next season. And, and especially when you could get guys almost essentially as good as him, if not better, you know, after that, like, like I said, India or Polanco. We have our first disagreement. Okay. That's fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've i been vocal uh, this offseason that I, I do like Jazz. Um, I don't not like him. I just think it's there's the same opportunity later almost. I guess the difference to me is – well, let me ask you this. Do you see a scenario – like how like I mean, like do you think it's like a ten percent, five percent? Like what what's the percent chance where he's just so bad that he loses his everyday job? I don't think that happens. Okay, because to me, if he if he keeps his everyday job, I think you know twenty steals is the floor basically, and you know he could steal over thirty, um, which I don't see as being the case with India. Um, right, right. Or, They're only going to get you probably 10 to 15. But the the only other thing is, I mean, it's not like Chisholm's really in that good of a lineup either. I mean, he's. I feel like he's not going to be able to get you as many runs as RBIs as the other two either. So I feel like I, the other two can get as many home runs, if not more, more runs, more RBIs, and they'll come close enough in stolen bases. That's my opinion. And you could get them rounds later. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean... I'm willing to pay the, I mean, to me, he's, he's kind of one of the last him and Tommy Edmond kind of are, are sort of the last, uh, well, maybe you might say mile straw, but like, um, you know, if you're just looking for a guy that can get you 25 steals and play every day, uh, once those guys are kind of gone, um, there's, there's not really anyone left. Um, and so, that it's just kind of how much do you value that the extra maybe 10 steals? Cause I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think Polanco and India do probably score more runs and do get more RBI. Um, I mean, jazz did have 70 runs in 124 games last year. So, you know, maybe if he, if he gets closer to like 150 games, um, he could be pushing 90 there, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it almost sounds like we don't necessarily disagree about, what you're getting it's more just about whether it's worth uh, where he's going yeah uh so my pick is and on a second base i thought was the toughest um position 
to to pick a guy from because there are there are 22 guys um, who technically qualify for this exercise, and the ones I the ones who are kind of off my board are are going after pick 180, um, like Max Muncie, Eduardo Escobar. Like I'm probably not going to end up with either of them, but I, mm-hmm. that's not really that fun to just pick guys who are barely qualify. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm going to say Marcus Semien, who I, I touched on last week's pod with Jeff Erickson. Uh, yeah, Semien to me, we're just talking about massive. You cut a cut just a ton of stats off of what he did last year. Um, with you know, not only was he playing maybe a bit over his head, um, but you talk about the the ballpark downgrade, the lineup downgrade. He's not a guy who's going to steal twenty bases. Um, so you're not getting sort of that, that anchor in the speed department. Um, and you have to, you have to take him in the, the third round of 15 team leagues right now. Um, maybe he falls to like early fourth, but, uh, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm chasing steals at second base. Like I, I, I want to get, uh, easy double digit steals from whoever I'm taking as my first second baseman. And, uh, I think Semyon could get you to maybe 10, 12 steals, something like that. But um, to take him that high when he's not going to be like a true anchor for you in that category and he's coming off a career year, um, I just there's there's no way I'm going to be taking him there. Um, so that's that's my pick. He was the I would almost picked him <laughs> for all those reasons. Nice. OK, uh, let's do third base. Um I'll go first. Uh, I mean, this is super boring, but uh, I'm just going to say Alberto Mondesi. That was my pick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, now, I just got done uh, saying why I'd, I'm taking Jazz because of the speed. And, you know, obviously Mondesi's got um, an incredibly high ceiling in terms of stolen bases. But to me, it's just about. Um, it's about just the playing time risk there. And, you know, he, he can't be counted on to stay healthy. I think with Bobby Witt coming with Nikki Lopez, having a good season, uh, it's a very real possibility that Mondesi is kind of a a bench infielder for them, um, for a good chunk of the year. So I just, I don't think you can count on the playing time either from a health standpoint or from just a, a role on the team standpoint. And if you take Mondesi, that's going to inform the rest of your draft, right? Like if you're not taking Mondesi saying, well, maybe I get 40 steals from him. Maybe I don't because you're using a fourth round pick to get him. Mm-hmm. And so basically your entire team competing, um, not to win your league, just to cash in your league hinges on Mondesi. Because if you take Mondesi, then that means you're going to be taking guys that are going to hit for high average. You're going to get your power, uh, are going to play every day with all your, your subsequent picks. You think that you probably got your stolen bases um, wrapped up. Uh, after that pick in the fourth round so then as soon as something goes wrong with that pick then your your whole team kind of crumbles yeah and I think that's the problem with Mondesi is that a lot of people too will take him and just think okay I'm good with steals don't have to worry about it but then when he goes down you have no one else stealing bases and that's a that's a big issue um but yeah like you said I picked him as well and it's basically because of the injury history 
Um, and it's just something you can't ignore. And he's still way too expensive and trash. He was last season and still is this year. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I guess people just in their mind think if I could just get half a season from him, then maybe it's worth it. But he would have to go absolutely crazy for that to happen. He would have to put up 2020 numbers where he stole 24 bases and 233 plate appearances. <laughs> But like, what's the likelihood of that happening? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it, I mean the price is is just crazy to me. Like, I I don't understand why yeah. it's going so high. Um, you know, maybe if he was going like around pick one hundred or something, um, then it's something where you just kind of roll the dice and you assume you're going to get twenty steals from him um, in between the injuries and stuff, and and it's worth it. But yeah, I just I can't I can't pay that price. Um, yeah uh okay uh let's do shortstop and i'll i'll let you pick first here uh so i went with uh bobby witt jr who you actually just mentioned um obviously really good player in double a triple a last season hit roughly 290 with 33 home runs 29 stolen bases so um a, a lot of appeal there i mean everyone's assuming that he's gonna be either he'll start at the club start with the club opening day or, you know, um, after minimum time serviced. But um, I just, I don't buy, I don't like to buy into rookies, um, especially when we've never seen them at the MLP level. I mean, we saw how much Kelnick struggled, um, you know, Bruhan struggled. It's just, um, I feel like you're taking a true shot in the dark there and you know, no prospect is a guarantee, in my opinion. And um, I would just rather, you know, he's going to pick 86. So I'd rather put my draft pick and my stock into someone who I know has proven it before, as opposed to someone's potential. And we're just assuming that that's going to automatically translate to the major league level. Yeah, no, I, I think you laid that out very well. I wouldn't take issue with any of that. Um you know, Bobby Witt wouldn't be a guy who, you know, if his ADP was like, you know, 140 or something like that, um, I could see myself ending up with with him, um, at least in a, in a couple leagues. But there's just no chance I'm taking him where he's going right now. Uh, you know, that it's a it's a high risk pick. It's a it's a big swing. But, you know, I, I would rather um, play it safer. Um my pick is going to be Corey Seager, uh, who has a ADP of 78 over the last three weeks in these 15-team draft champions. Um, Michael, without looking, when do you think the last time Corey Seager hit 20-plus homers was? Oh, I'm going to – I don't know. <laughs> I know this is a trick question. So, uh, 2017. No, I was going to say 2018. Okay. That was also the last time he stole more than one base. Uh, So, you know, I think he's, he's about as good of a bet as any of these shortstops to hit 300 or better. I I think that that's, that's what you're drafting. If you're taking Corey Seager, you're you're taking a guy with a really strong hit tool, a guy who's going to really boost your batting average, but to take a, 
you know, and I like to get my speed, my speed at my middle infield spots and my outfield spots. I mean, those are kind of the traditional spots where you're getting speed. So I'm not getting any speed from Corey Seager. He's going to be starting at shortstop or middle infield if you take him. Um, and you're not even guaranteed to get 20 homers. Um, you know, he's going to a, a, one of the worst ballparks for power. Uh, he misses time. Um, you know, he has at least fairly consistently struggled to get to you know, 140 games. So worst park, um, a guy who, who might miss, you know, a, a few weeks. I just, if, if he's not a lock to get me, you know, 30 homers and he's not going to steal me any bases, I I just don't see the case for taking him there um, despite the batting average. Yeah. Plus the, I don't even think he's on my board. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's got some injury history to him as well. Right. I mean, yeah, sorry, Rangers fans. I've now picked both of the uh, super <laughs> expensive guys you signed this offseason. But um, yeah, I just, it's, uh, he's a good player. Like if Corey Seager was an outfielder or a third baseman or um, probably not a first baseman, but like, you know, if he, if he played another position and was going to hit, 300 and maybe get me 20 25 homers in a in a best case scenario he might not be off my board but it's just it's tough if you just get zero steals from shortstop um it's tough yeah okay uh we are gonna head to a quick break but when we come back michael and i will both give some picks for outfielders we will not be drafting this year we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. 
That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, moneyline bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in seven states, Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. All right. Uh, we are back, and we did. We gave you a, a catcher each, a first baseman each, a second baseman each. We had the same third baseman. Uh, and we gave you a shortstop each that we will not be drafting. Michael, I turn it over to you for your your first outfielder who will not be on any of your teams. You're muted. All right, <laughs> you're not the first. Person. You're not the first person to do that. I, I, I muted mute that myself, for and other uh, people are reading. For, reading for your ad, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say before I said that um, something interesting just came out that the Orioles are actually um, they're raising their left field wall and moving it back in Camden Yards. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Um, so my pick is uh, Adolis Garcia. He's closer towards the end of 200, and um, I get the appeal he brings with the speed and the power, but I feel like you're really just riding that first-half surge that he had. Um, if you look at his role in Woba, essentially just kind of goes straight down. <laughs> um, in the first half, he had 22 home runs. In the second half, he only had nine. Basically, every statistic he has, if you look at it, it completely dipped in the second half, and I just think that it's super risky. Um even I know this is a little bit later in the draft where you can take some risks, but I wouldn't be surprised if he struggles mightily and basically doesn't return the value that um, of where you're drafting him. Basically, we have another overlap, um, but I I have a backup uh, outfielder, so I am going to give two outfielders still. But Adolis Garcia was going to be my second pick. Um, yeah, I mean sixty eight WRC plus over his last fifty seven games last year. Uh, you know, if he if he's even close to that same guy, I mean, I think Leody Tavares is still a guy that they are going to try to develop. Um, reminds me a little bit of uh, Danny Santana uh, with the same team mm, uh, a couple years good ago. Good call. Um, so just, you know, kind of like with Mondesi, he's a speed guy, 
that I think is a major playing time risk. And so if you're taking a guy like that, even, even like kind of later in the top 200, you know, you're banking on 15 plus steals from Garcia if you're taking him there. And I just don't think you can count on him for those. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, and he could just crater your batting average before losing his job. And then you're, you're left, left scrambling. Um, my pick, my first pick at outfield is going to be, um, you know, he, this is a guy who has a, a lot of fans on uh, baseball Twitter. So this is not a not a easy layup pick like uh, Adalberto Mondesi was at third base. But uh, Jordan Alvarez, um, mm. who has a ADP of 32. So he's going early third round and very similar um, to my rationale with uh, Matt Olson. Just, you know, I'm getting no speed. Um, I'm using a pick where, you know, I could be getting maybe someone like Whit Merrifield there. Maybe I could get a guy like Tim Anderson there. Um, maybe I could get a, a borderline ace there. Maybe I could get an elite reliever there. Um, just guys who are going to give me uh, production that's, that's tougher to find. And, you know, for instance, I'm not sure how much I'm going to end up with this guy either, but Ila Jimenez has an ADP of 76 and I really don't see much difference between uh, mm -hmm. Jordan Alvarez and Ila Jimenez. Obviously Alvarez is coming off a year where he produced, um, you know, beyond probably expectations, at least from a playing time standpoint. But like, I, I think last year was, was a borderline um, last year for Jimenez. I mean, he came back from injury, uh, wasn't quite himself, but I mean, just from a, a talent standpoint, a pedigree standpoint, if we're just grading hit tool power, like I think Jimenez is, is right there and you can get him like 40 picks later, 45 picks later. Um, so I just, yeah. I'm not into using that high of a pick on a four category guy at outfield. Um, so does that mean you're out on trout as well? Uh, well, I, I have taken trout. Um, <laughs> So I think, um, you know, that's a, that's a good, um, you kind of pin me down in a, in a <laughs> odd way there. You know, I think what, what I've, what I've said with trout is, you know, I, I would, I wouldn't project him for more than, you know, five or six deals, mm -hmm. but I mean, it wouldn't be, no one would be surprised if he stole like 12 bases. Um, cause he, I mean, he does still have elite speed. Uh, yeah. And I think he's a he's a better bet to get you forty homers than Alvarez. Um, yeah. And honestly, I don't even think. Tr tr I mean, Trout is. I mean, they're both kind of injury risks, right? Um, yeah, I would say equally. But yeah, I mean, that's no, it's a fair, it's a fair counter on Trout. I, you know, you, you could. I mean, I'm with you. I wouldn't. I'm not taking either of them either, just because, like you said, speed and then plus injury story. Um. Okay. Who's your second outfielder? Yeah. Um, so it's going to be Byron Buxton. Um, I feel like he's definitely going to have one of those seasons where he finally plays the entire year and is definitely like one of, if not the top fancy baseball player. Um, and I hope that maybe that year I just happen to have one share of him, but he's just so injury prone and it's so hard to buy into him. I know everything that he brings, but that early in the draft, I'm looking for, you know, high floor guys that don't have this injury history. 
I mean, I went back and looked in 2021, he missed 111 days. 2020, he missed 12. 2019, he missed 72. And 2018, he missed 57. So it's just so many injuries and so much playing time missed where you just cannot afford that that early in the draft. So love the potential of everything about him. Really, really good player. But until he can prove he's on the field, it's hard for me to take him that early in the draft. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think I'll have Buxton. Um but I, he is on my board. It's just he's someone where like he would really have to fall into my lap. Um, you know, there are a lot of similar concerns in terms of injuries that you would have with a guy like Mondesi. I think the edge Buxton has over Mondesi is he's just a way better hitter, and he he's yeah. gonna definitely be playing when he's healthy. You just you gotta bake in the the missed playing time uh, with him, so he would have to. He'd have to fall way past ADP for me to get Buxton. Um, and his ADP over the last three weeks is is 64. Mm. Uh, my second outfielder um, was going to be Adolis Garcia, uh, who you mentioned, but I had a, a backup. Um, and that backup is Eddie Rosario, uh, who, let's see, Rosario is going at pick 161 on average. So, you know, he's going fairly late in the in the top 200, but uh, I just think he's a, a pretty mediocre real-life player. Uh, he We don't know what team he's going to be with. Uh, he was worth less than a win above replacement last year in 111 games. So it's just I don't think you can count on him getting to 400 plate appearances. Um, he could, but... Uh, are you going to also just expect the 11 steals last year to, to carry over because he hadn't stolen double digit bases since 2015 prior to last year. Um, so it's just, I think it's a very, you, you just can't really bank on him um, for a ton. Um, and he's getting drafted. Like, I think people are buying into what he showed uh, with Atlanta, but I mean, you got to remember the reason that he ended up in Atlanta is because he was so bad with Cleveland uh, prior to that. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if a contending team wants him because of how bad of a defender he is. I don't know if a rebuilding team wants him because he's heading into his age 30 season. So I just I think there are enough question marks there that I would not use a top 200 pick on him. Yeah, it's a good point. I think it kind of depends where he goes. Um, but like you said, and he's not a good player in real life um, as opposed to fantasy because this defense. So um, playing time is definitely a risk there. And I I pretty sure i have zero shares and um yeah it's a good call okay uh let's head over to starting pitcher uh i will pick first here um and i'm gonna go with carlos rodan Hmm. uh obviously had you know one of the better stories in baseball last year um former top prospect who just always struggled to stay healthy and he, he goes out there and has a, you know, kind of a league winning type of season. If you, if you got Carlos Rodon last year, I mean, that, that was a, that was a game changer. Um, he's going at pick 130, 138 right now. Um, my, I just have, I just think it's, it's a massive red flag that the White Sox didn't extend him a qualifying offer uh you know 29 year old lefty that they drafted coming off a year where he was worth 
five wins according to Fangraphs, and to not give that guy a qualifying offer to me suggests that um, they don't really trust his health. Um, could be wrong about that. I mean, if if you told me he was going to pitch 140 innings, 150 innings, I think that that'd be fine where he's going. I just think you, you look at the health track record with him and the fact that the team that knows more about him than, than any of us didn't want to give him that QO. Uh, I just, it's a, it's a red flag for me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they've known about his health for, you know, uh, even coming into last season too, because they released him and then he ended up coming back just because no one wanted him as a starter and he wanted to be a starter. Um, yeah, so much injury risk there. So many shoulder uh, issues that he's just so scary. <laughs> right. Okay, who's your pick? Um, yeah, so I'll let that lead into actually Pablo Lopez. I love Pablo Lopez. One of my favorite pitchers. Really good changeup. Ground ball pitcher. Has strikeout potential. Just does everything right. Um, but he too has shoulder issues. Um, he has missed time due to his shoulder in three of the last four seasons. I don't even know if you'll maybe get 120 innings from him. I don't know. Um, you know, I feel like the Marlins might end up babying him too, uh, just because of these issues. So I think he's just too much of a injury risk for where he's going. Again, love the skill set, amazing pitcher. Um, but just because of these shoulders issues, it's so hard to buy into him. Yeah, you know, I. Uh, he's kind of a, uh, I mean, we mentioned trout earlier. I, I had trout in one league. I, I also have Pablo Lopez in one league, but I think I'm not going to get to a second share with either guy. And I took Lopez in my first draft of the year. And I think at that point I, I hadn't properly um, calibrated uh, how risky he is from a, a workload standpoint. And like you said, I mean, he's, we're still waiting for him to show he could be like a 150 inning guy and you're, you're happy. You have to take him as, you know, like your SP three basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just, there's other guys around there. Uh, you know, Shane Boz, even I, I'd rather take Boz than, than Lopez. Yep. Um, probably rather take Evaldi and Zach Allen, mm-hmm. uh, Luis Garcia with the Astros. Definitely. Um, but there's another guy going around there uh, who will be my second pitcher. And uh, that'll be Logan Gilbert, um, who I, I know you've done a decent amount of work on. Um, just the reason I, I'm not digging Gilbert there is is basically the uh, other options. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that, that love Logan Gilbert and um, were higher on Logan Gilbert when he was a prospect than I was. Um, so that that's part of it. I just, I've never been as high as the people who have been really, really high on him. Um, and I just think you're, you're not getting enough of a, of a discount here. Uh, like to me, Shane Boz has just way better stuff um, when you factor in secondary offerings than Gilbert. Um even like Zach Gal and Luis Garcia, like I think they're they've just proven they're better pitchers. Um, so you're kind of you need Gilbert to really take that that full step forward just to get to kind of where those guys are, in my opinion. Um, and you're just not getting any kind of a discount there. Uh, you know, even a guy like Ian Anderson to me, uh, 
you know, coming off, maybe he didn't perform the way you were hoping he'd perform last year, but you know, he's going two rounds later. I think he's proven more than Gilbert has um, so far in his, his career. Um, so it's just, I, I think you're getting, you're still getting kind of that, that shiny prospect tax with Gilbert there at, at pick 125. Uh, but I don't think he's a sure enough thing there. Yeah, I think a lot of people saw the the talent that he has last season. Um, I I love Gilbert. I I thought I was going to be very high on him compared to everyone else, and ADP is even higher than me. Uh, so I actually I have zero shares right now, and um, you know he just has the makings of an ace, really, right? High velocity fastball, good breaking balls, but I felt like he's still trying to figure out his pitch mix a little bit. Um, and I think kind of like what you're saying is I think his price is just too high because we've yet to see him do it consistently. We've seen flashes, um, but we do need to see him do it on a more regular basis, uh, to justify his, his draft price. So, um, while I do love him, I, I agree with you because I don't have a share yet because he's just going too early for me. You take issue with what I said about Boz having clearly better stuff than Gilbert. Um, no, actually I don't. Okay. Um, cause I, I think Gilbert's fastball is a monster pitch. Oh yeah. And then it's, I just think, um, I just don't think we know exactly what his recipe is going to be, um, to make uh, everything else work, uh, yeah, off of that fastball. Yep. I agree with that. Okay. Um, did you, did we get two starters from you or do you have another no. one? Okay. Um, so my second one is someone I actually just did a piece on and it was because I felt like a lot of people liked him and I was a little confused. Yes. Um, and that's Tariq Skubal, Um at pick 176 he's going around. And um, it's just because he has so many hard contact issues. Um, he had the fifth worst Wobicon in the league and his ex Wobicon was even worse. So it's not like he was just getting unlucky. Um, the worst bow rate against in the league. And it's all because of location, um, really mainly with his forcing. His forcing was horrendous last season. Um, he left everything middle-middle. The slider was left middle-middle. Um, so I think he has a lot of talent, and I think he can be very good. But I think it might be another year because he has issues that are fixable. But I think there's too many of them for him to kind of make that leap in one season. So maybe we even see at the end, you know, towards the end of, of 2022. Um, but I just think the hard contact issues is too much for me. Um, he has to work on his location a ton. He's got to figure out what to do with this four seam. Um, so, so yeah, I just see there's, there's too many things wrong with him right now to really buy into him. So Scuba was going to be my backup. I, I had a backup at outfield and a backup at starting pitcher. Uh, okay. And just the way things went, I got to get my two guys in before that. <laughs> but like Scuba, yeah, if if, uh, if you'd taken one of my guys, Scuba would have been my pick. Uh, I think mm-hmm. he laid it out very well. And honestly, like I don't, I, I don't know what I'm really missing. Like um, I, I saw what you, you were tweeting about him and like I, I basically just agreed with everything um you were saying like i i guess i should have gotten to first pitch arizona because i saw uh jenny butler saying that um he was getting pumped up there but um like to me is there even like that big of a gap between scoobal and casey mize and mize is going like 85 picks later um 
I think the reason why people love Scooble is because he had a couple games last year where he had like nine to 10 strikeouts. So people just, you know, I guess assume that means that, you know, there's, you know, more of that coming, which, yeah, it's possible, but I just don't, I don't see him, you know, fixing all those issues right away. Yeah. And there's, yeah, you gotta, you gotta take him inside, uh, the top 200 most likely if you want to get them yeah. and oh, yeah. you know there's there's other guys going around there you know like i, I like tanner hawk more um i like patrick sandoval more um even just old boring guys like alex wood like the three giants guys wood descafani Cobb. i like all three of them more than scoobal <laughs> um so yeah it's just i don't really understand the price okay uh we are to our final position, relief pitcher. Um, honestly, this was one of my hardest ones to pick. This was very hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't have a full list of who all qualifies, but I just remember, you know, at this position, beggars can't be choosers sometimes, right? Like there's, there's only, there's only what, like uh, 20-ish guys who you could say like, He's probably the closer at this point. So it, right. it was tough for me to say, I definitely won't take this guy, but who did you end up, end up uh, settling on? I decided to go with uh, Camille Duvall. And okay. um, people are obsessed with him. And I get it. I like him. I don't doubt the skills. You know, really high strikeout pitcher. But I just don't know if I see the Giants going with um, a young relief pitcher like that right away, maybe or even for the entire season, they loved using McGee and McGee pitched really well for them. And I, if I remember correctly, I think Duvall only came in because McGee was hurt. Um, so I just don't know if they're going to fully buy into him right away, especially because he's a young pitcher. I feel like maybe they'll end up going with a little bit of a committee approach that, or they'll r- ride McGee for a while, at least to first couple of months to start the y- year. And then, kind of go back to Duvall for it. Um, or they could start with Duvall and then if he struggles a little bit, they're not going to want to hurt his confidence and they're going to take him out quickly and put McGee and just kind of do, you know, like I said, a committee type of thing. So I think people are just buying into him that he's no doubt the closer going to get a ton of saves. Um, whereas I'm just not too sure that that's going to be the case right now. Yeah, I considered going with Duvall, and I, I don't have any of him yet. Um, mm-hmm. Jeff Erickson made the case last week about exactly what you're kind of saying with you know Jake McGee still figuring into things. Uh, he's got a he's got a very wide range. He's got a min pick of 90 and a max of 154 over the last three wow. weeks. So he's just going all over the place. Yeah. Um, I you know again like with all these guys, every reliever going inside the top 200. I can't say for for sure that I won't end up with any of them because you just never know how the draft's going to shake out. Um, closer runs, obviously, there's going to be multiple closer runs, and you know, 15 team league, you just don't know where you're going to be at in those runs, which guys are going to go. Um, but the guy I ended up going with is is Kenley Jansen. Uh, his ADP right now is 76. Um, he's not gone later than pick 92 over the last three weeks. And I just think um, there's there's too much uncertainty there um, for the price. Like I, I think physically, I'm, I have uh, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not fully sold that he's going to hold up again. Um, and I think the Dodgers, it, it'll be pretty telling with what the Dodgers do in terms of, do they want to bring him back? Do mm-hmm. they just let him sign elsewhere? Cause they obviously, you know, kind of like with Carlos Rodon that they, they know how healthy he, his arm is. And, um, it's just, it's, it's a high pick for, for a guy who's, uh, might be sort of nearing kind of the, the end of his, um, run as a, as a no doubt closer, uh, but again, like, I mean, if, if I'm, if I need my first closer and I'm sitting there at pick, you know, 95 or something and Kenley's still there, I, I can't say that I, I wouldn't take him, but you know, I would, I would take Will Smith over him. Um, I would take Giovanni Gallegos. I would take mm-hmm. Jordan Romano. Um, you know, I think the reason why people like him right now, and I can see people draft him, and I actually have a share myself, is I feel like no matter where he goes, he's going to be the closer. And I think you can't really say that about too many people right now. So I think the that kind of gives you some comfort level, um, especially if you're doing draft champions, because it's not like you could work the wire. Um, so... Because, you know, like you could go after play training, but if they sign Jansen, then that's a waste of the pick. Um, you know, you got Corey Na- Knable out there, but I mean, what if they end up bringing in Jansen or something? Um, you know, and then like you mentioned Romano, some people are saying that the Blue Jays are going to go after a real closer. So I think that's why people kind of like him right now. And I think once he actually signs wherever he signs, I think his ADP will probably adjust accordingly. Yeah, Craig Kimbrell's another kind of chip that has to to fall. Yeah. Um, in this whole kind of closer carousel. Um yeah, yeah. I mean, I again I think second base for me, um, although I, I can say pretty confidently I won't have any Marcus Semyon, but um relief pitcher was probably the hardest one for me because I every guy every relief pitcher with a top two hundred ADP is on my board. It's just a matter of you know, high, how high up are they on my board? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you just, you can't be like, I'm not taking these closers. Um, because you just, sometimes you just don't really have a choice. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I guess it's just, it's kind of a price thing for me with Ken lead. Cause I, the, I don't know the age and the, I don't know. I I'm, I'm iffy on the health. Um, but I, I think you're 100% right. Like, um, I almost I almost think of him a little bit as Mark Melanson um, because like I like I know I know Melanson's getting all the save opportunities in Arizona. Uh, he's oh, yeah. really old and he's not uh, doesn't have the nastiest stuff. But I mean, he gets he gets weak contact and um, you just you know that no one's challenging him for saves. You know that wherever Kenley goes, no one's challenging him for saves. But um, yeah, he doesn't have the same type of stuff and. Uh, mm-hmm kind of performance upside that I think some of these other guys do, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough at closer. Um, this was a lot of fun, Michael. Um, do you got, uh, what you want to just tell the, the listeners where they can follow you and, and anything you might have going on? Yeah. I mean, you can just follow me on Twitter at SP streamer and you can check out our website, spstreamer.com where we, started releasing some articles in season there's going to be a ton of articles every day and stuff like that so you can really just see all my stuff there yeah i know you've uh got my guy todd whitestone uh helping out over there um you got yeah a- he he wrote for us last season too got a nice got a nice crew 
uh, over at SP Streamer. So yeah, people should definitely get that into the the mix of the, the fantasy sites they're checking out. Um, listen to the SP Streamer podcast. Um, and yeah, really appreciate you coming on, Michael. Appreciate it. This has been the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'll be back next week.